Welcome to the Spring Forth Podcast, a ministry of the First Congregational Church of McGregor, Iowa. This recording was made on July 5th, 2020, the fifth Sunday of Pentecost. good to see you here. Thank you for being flexible as we return to the space that we know and love. And today I'm going to be pretty much 
This is gonna be my command center right here. So everything will take place from here, but we will have communion. As you came in, I just wanna give a little housekeeping. These are our new little travel communion kits. We've got the wafer on top. And to make it easier when we get to the time of communion, there's, a, there's two tabs here. If you pull the light, the top one back and just fold it a little bit, have it at a right angle, then when it comes time for the wafer, that's just easier to pull off. Otherwise, you'll pull the whole juice thing open and we'll have to start all over again. So and we don't want to waste a drop of this. So you can go ahead and fiddle with that. We have the offering box in the back, the little house that Bill Grady made. That will be there. So you can just drop your offering in there. And we also remind you that the e-giving is available. You can see Mary Juritz for those details, and she can help get you on an on a e-billing if you want to do, uh, I don't call it billing, but in a way, you know, it's like <laughs> you're paying for the services, but on a donation schedule if that uh, is more to your liking. All right, well, I promised I would keep this short and sweet because we're, it's a little warm. We're trying to do it without air conditioning and, uh, you know, we all have expiration dates. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into it with this call to worship that comes to us from Psalm 34, verses 1 and 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. The praise of God shall ever be in my mouth. I will glory in the Lord. Let the humble hear and rejoice. Proclaim with me the greatness of the Lord. Let us all exalt the name of God together. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, you have taught us to keep all your commandments by loving you and our neighbor. Grant us the grace of your Holy Spirit that we may be devoted to you with our whole heart and one united to each other with pure affection. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. The gospel reading for today's service comes to us, it's the lectionary reading, and it comes to us from Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 19, 24 through 30. And we have here now, remember, we've been, for those of you who've been following the video feed, Jesus has sent his disciples out into the world in the previous chapter, chapter 10. And he has given them authority over unclean spirits, over death, over sickness. He wants them to proclaim the good news. But now he has this caveat because he is telling his disciples that even though you carry the good news in the world, there will still be some difficulty. There will still be some pushback. There will still be some people who are unwilling to, to want to hear your, your good message. So he follows it up here in chapter 11, today's readings, where he is talking about a rather fickle and indecisive community and how we should best handle that. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We waited, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man comes eating and drinking, and they say, look, he's a glutton and a drunkard, 
a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is indicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such is your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and to anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of the Holy Gospel. Let us pray. Loving and most merciful God, we thank you once again for the opportunities that you give to us, especially as we gather this Independence Day weekend, celebrating the rich liberties that we have been afforded in this nation. One of them is the freedom to worship you, to assemble, and to know that once again, as we connect our hearts and minds with you, you always have the words that we need to hear. Your gospel has no expiration date. It continues to renew and uplift and move us forward. So we enjoy meeting and hearing the retelling of these stories that we can connect with your word right where we are, just as we are. And we ask, Lord, that today would be no different, that we would hear your word and that it would animate us and move us to be your people, carrying your grace near and far. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be acceptable to you. I ask that you bless, keep, and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm learning new skills. This, uh, this year has been one of learning new skills. First of all, when, when I was doing the videos, not only did I learn how to cobble some videos together, as Jim and Patty would let you know, not nearly as good as my wife, but she's the artist, I'm just me. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that I learned was to be able to uh, preach sitting down. As you've noticed with my videos, I'm like, where, where is he? You know, what's this bench next to him? That's actually up in the very tippy-top part of our house, the cupola. And uh, it's got the best sound quality for, for my, my choice. But I sit on a nice little meditation cushion and talk to the camera. So it is true that William Gentry can actually give a message and stay put in the same place. Don't say the man can't learn a new trick. <laughs> But today I want to, uh, the other new trick is learning to speak with your mouth full, which I knew I could do it really well as a kid, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting back together to that now. Uh, let's talk about this passage that we have today because it's cut up in two sections. We have the section where Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he's speaking to the crowd, and he is, he's pointing out his dissatisfaction with people's annoyance of the messengers of God. And he says, to what shall I compare this generation? They are like people who are children calling to one another in the marketplace. We, we played the flute for you and you didn't dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. 
Now, what he is talking about is the people's reaction to both John the Baptist and their reactions to him. John the Baptist is one of my favorite biblical characters. He, he is. He's, he's all seriousness. He's all urgency. He's all determination. He knew that what, he, what he had to do. He knew exactly the message that he had to carry to the world, and he did not compromise it. And as a result of it, people said, this, this guy's too serious. This John the Baptist comes in. He keeps himself apart from everybody else. He lives in the wilderness. He, he eats nature's fare. And then on top of that, he tells us that we need to bear fruit worthy of repentance. We need to come to him and confess our sins and, and ready ourselves for the Messiah's arrival. So John, John wasn't there for niceties and pleasantries. He wasn't there to discuss the weather. He was there to say, get yourself right because the Messiah is coming. People didn't like that. That's what Jesus says. They said, well, they said... They, they defined John as having a demon. They said he's too, he's too crazy. He's too intense. He's, he's too difficult to bear. Okay. But John was proclaiming the way of the Messiah. So when Jesus arrives on the scene, one of the first miracles that he does is that he turns water into wine at the wedding at Cana. And he goes and he calls disciples from various walks of life. Some of them were tax collectors. Tax collectors were considered sort of, you know, that's questionable behavior. But Jesus welcomed these outsiders, called them friends. Well, the crowd didn't like that either. They said, this Jesus, he consorts with sinners and tax collectors. He's a, he's a glutton and a drunkard. You know, sometimes you just can't satisfy folk. John shows up, he's all serious, he's all agenda, and they go, mm-mm, that's too heavy. Jesus comes in, he's too permissive. What are you going to do? So Jesus is saying, what can you do with a generation who simply does not want to accept any messenger of God? Any messenger of God, whether they come too serious, whether they are too welcoming and too loving, people don't like that incarnation of God's messengers. So they've dismissed both John, they've dismissed both Jesus. Jesus says, that's okay. Wisdom will be vindicated by her deeds. Basically, Jesus is saying, John's prophecy was true. He proclaimed the way of the Messiah. The Messiah is here. I am proclaiming the way of God. It's not going to change because you don't like the packaging that it comes in. This is grace. This is the real deal. Accept it or not, it is your choice. But Jesus is speaking to individuals who have already attached themselves to him. And he realizes now because of the, the fickle nature of his society, running hot and cold, loving him one moment, rejecting him the next, that he realizes that people are being pulled one way and then another and they don't know which way to go. We have spoken in the past, I have preached on the Pharisees, and Pharisees were the skilled, learned individuals who knew the law of Moses. And they would always remind people in the community when they weren't measuring up. They were always really good about saying, oh, you know, your prayer shawl's too long. 
You didn't clean your hands before eat the ritual eating. You didn't observe the customary traditions of the elders. And the Pharisees were always coming down on the people with heavy-handed law. And they felt burdened. They felt weighed down. So many commandments, so many things to observe, so many different ways to conduct oneself in public. How can you possibly keep all those rules in your head? In Matthew, I have the quote here. In Matthew chapter 22, a young Pharisee asked Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? What's the great commandment? And Jesus says, well, actually, and I'll just read this quote from you, Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And second, like it, is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. So Jesus tells us exactly what is our responsibility as people of faith. What is the yoke and what is the burden that we are called to carry? The yoke is to be coupled to him. Now, I want to speak a little bit about harnesses because I, I, I was, in researching this, I, I learned a little bit more about yokes. I mean, it's not very often that we see yokes unless, of course, you're somebody who still plows by an, a team of oxen or mules and you happen to have one somewhere in your storage shed. But if you, what I learned is that in first century Palestine, people who would plow by a team of oxen would actually bring their animals to a carpenter who would skillfully measure the animal to make a yoke that would fit that animal and specifically that animal so it wouldn't gall the neck it wouldn't rub funny that it would almost be uh, seamless the animal could wear it do a full day suffer no abrasions, suffer no exhaustion, tailor-made in the same way that we would go to a nice haberdasher's and get ourselves uh, a tailor-made suit or uh, a gown. So these, these yokes were specifically designed to, for maximum efficiency and comfort. A yoke restrains, but it also enables. Restrains the animal, so therefore it is able to, to pull the, the load but yet it has the freedom of movement. Now, Jesus, having been a master carpenter, and it says that at some, some historians say that Jesus actually specialized in making yokes and made some of the best yokes in Nazareth. I don't know if that's apocryphal or not, but the man could calm a storm with a word, so I'm pretty sure he, he knew his way around some wood. So we have the sense that, that Jesus is now speaking to these individuals out there who have been burdened down, and they too are carrying heavy burdens, and they need to have rest. Now, one of my summer jobs that I had when I was still in, in university was working up on Prudhoe Bay, tippy top of Alaska, as a general laborer for the oil slope. And my position was pretty much to do heavy lifting and to look and to support the, the uh, welders that would be working there. And in one instance, part of my job was to help set up welding rigs. 
set up the welding area, get the scaffolding set up, run the leads in, and kind of prepare the site, put up the, the fire blankets, and contain the area in order that we might be able to have uh, a, a safe work site. On one particular occasion, I was asked to set up a, a work site that was three stories off of the, the floor, the deck floor. And this was my first experience with a safety harness. Because I guarantee you, when you are working three stories off of the floor, unless you have a decent harness, the only thing you can think about is not dying, not slipping off, not you know doing one of these numbers where you're like, ooh, it's far down there. And they always say, don't look down. Don't look down. But that's the first thing you do is you look down. So they had these incredible safety harnesses. You put it bad boy on, you wrap it around your legs. It's got buckles every last piece of place, big, thick, two-inch rope with cables on it. And once they got me fitted on, because they found, found one time, I was a little lightweight kid there, they had to find one to work for me. I went up the ladder, got up on the top, and the idea was to cross these uh, different series of conduits and pipes to make my way over to the wall, fish the rope down, bring the leads up, walk back across the situation to the scaffolding, and get those leads connected up for the arc welder. And I have to admit that having the confidence of a good secure harness tied off that you know was, was going to sustain you no matter what freed my mind up to concentrate on the job at hand. It freed my mind to walk with confidence along those pipes. And they were dusty because it was dusty up there. And it was hot up there, not unlike being right here right now. And I made my way across those pipes, got the leads, did it all without even so much as a hint of anxiety. And I'm not necessarily saying I'm a fan of heights. No one should really be a fan of heights. We don't have wings. <laughs> we don't have wings. But that safety harness completely changed the way that I look. I didn't see it as a restraint. I saw it as empowerment. I saw it as an opportunity whereby it would allow me to accomplish something that without it, I would not have been able to do. Now, nobody gets through this life without attaching themselves to something. We attach ourselves to persons. We attach ourselves to opinions. We attach ourselves to thoughts. There, there we, have, we make our way through the world on the basis of our principles. So Jesus, knowing that we have so much information that's coming at us, Jesus says, I want to offer you a yoke and a burden that you can bear. And so he asks us to join with him, to partner with him, that we might come to learn from his example how best to love God with everything that we have and to love neighbor as self that we can actually truly not have to worry about the cumbersome nature of the rules that we carry because Jesus has done the heavy lifting. He's done the heavy lifting. He says, I remove from you all those burdensome thoughts. I remove from you any images that might cause you to stumble. I remove from you anything that might cause you to hesitate, and I will fill you with my grace. And when I fill you with my grace, then we are truly free to be. We are truly free to go forth and to serve, knowing that Jesus has provided us all the security and the uplift that we need. So I think very differently about a harness which is designed to save yourself. Even skilled swimmers, 
Even skilled swimmers, when they go out in the choppy waters, put a life vest on. Oh, sure, they've got the skills. Sure, they could probably swim across the channel. But you know the body does fatigue. <laughs> and I don't care how strong a swimmer you are, after a while you're going to be like, when is dry land going to show up? Because there's a little bit of tired here, especially if you're swimming against the current. And if any of you have ever been whitewater rafting, it is a true story that sometimes those boats capsize and everyone gets thrown every which way. And you'll be giving great thanks for having a helmet and a good life vest because it does the heavy lifting. So don't look down on the harnesses that Jesus is asking to offer us. The harness that he gives us is not going to cause our detriment. It's going to empower us. It's going to uplift us. It's going to say, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's my meditation for this morning. And I do hope that you will ponder it anew as you uh, continue to celebrate your Independence Weekend. Let us pray. Beloved, most merciful God, so here we are, back in our space. Thank you. We thank you for the opportunity because this church has provided so many wonderful memories for us. In this space, we have heard many a messages, many a song, wonderful conversations. We've had life-transforming events, baptisms, weddings. We've said goodbye to many friends through funerals. This space is etched as part of our life history. And so to be able to be here and to celebrate once again worship with you and others is something that we don't take for granted. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to rethink our burdens, rethink what we think is a burden, and to take up your invitation to try on your yoke, to try on that Jesus harness that saves us from death itself and teaches us the true meaning of love and service. There is nothing that you will ask of us for which you will not accompany us. So we give you thanks for your companionship, for your uplift. For this, our Independence Day weekend, we ask your continued blessings on our nation and everyone within it that as we celebrate this independence which we know was paid for at a very high price very high price that we will not take for granted the liberties that we enjoy and we will not stop fighting until everyone is afforded the same so we ask, Lord, that you would help our celebrations be safe, starting with staying hydrated in this heat, but allow us to continue to be mindful of one another, to not overextend ourselves, but to truly give you thanks and praise when we look around at all of this wonderful creation and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to share in this. Remember us as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, um, let's, this is the part where I say God blesses our gifts. So if, if you haven't already done your gifts, then when, when the ushers exit you out, remember in the little house there, that the house that Grady built, um, we can put our gifts in there. But right now, let us, uh, let us pray as we prepare to receive our traveling Holy Communion. Loving and most merciful God, we thank you once again for these things you've made possible for us. We thank you for the restoration. This, this faith, this faith that we have cultivated has been so important for us. And the jingle jangle and the ebb and flow of the past few months, information coming in from many sources, the ups and downs of the numbers, the many, many opinions about how best to conduct ourselves in a time of a pandemic, it has been very burdensome. And so it's nice that you have given us rest, that we can turn to your word and we can pray to you and we can be at rest. So we thank you for that. That's been very important for us. At this time, we ask that you would turn our hearts and minds to those things which we would like to unburden from ourselves. The, perhaps irascible nature, the unpleasant thoughts, the anger that we might still have against our neighbor, not literal neighbors, but brothers and sisters in the faith. Just a sense in which we're just tired of fighting, tired of fighting, we want to be at peace. So as we ready ourselves to partake of communion, give us that peace that you promised. It's right there in the gospel. Give us that rest that you've promised. Help us to be those people that you know we can be. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I still have one. So I will, I will read it on your behalf. We covenant with the Lord and with one another and do bind ourselves in the presence of God to walk together in his holy ways. We will strive to be doers of the word and not hearers only, to be firm in faith, quickened in hope, and constant in charity. And we will consecrate our time, talent, substance, and influence as heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. On a night in which Jesus was betrayed, he celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples. He took bread. He says this, this is my body which is given for you. Take, eat, in remembrance of me. Let us take the bread. The sound of cellophane, nothing like it. <laughs> he then presented them with the cup. He says, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood shed for the remission of sins. As often as we do eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Ministering to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I offer you the cup of salvation. All right. Extra sweet. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let us pray. Beloved and most merciful God, we thank you once again for this act of consecration, for your forgiveness, which has been given, your salvation, which has been accomplished, and for the blessing which we all bask in. We ask now that for this time that you have given us, that you will help us once again to go forth into the great harvest and to proclaim your wonders, to do it with words if necessary, but mostly with our gestures. So bless us and strengthen us, for we thank you for renewing us now and always. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll give the benediction and play our closing number. God of grace and God of glory, behold your people, created in your image and filled with your gifts. I call them my friends. Bless them. And thank you once again for allowing us to be back in our space. May the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you now and always. May it keep you and guide you in peace. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.